Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wealth Tech Show. This is the podcast that looks to the future of investing in personal finance and considers how technology will change the way that we manage our money. I'm back on the topic of cryptocurrency this week, which seemed a little niche when I started the podcast, but is now a stated focus area for the UK Treasury. So I'm excited about what the future holds, uh, but also with a dose of caution. So it's fitting that this week's guest is Erica Stanford. Erica is not only the author of Crypto Wars, which dissects the biggest frauds and scams in crypto. She's also the founder and CEO of the Crypto Curry Club, a group with over 4,000 active members that discusses all things crypto, AI, and blockchain. So Erica, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Ian. I'm honestly uh, delighted to have you on this show because you've got such an, you, you've such an interesting focus area, uh, crypto scamming, but also you're obviously a crypto enthusiast, right? I mean, you're running the Crypto Curry Club. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I want to know... I'd like to point out that the focus isn't exclusively on crypto scamming when you were <laughs> like that. I know, I was going for the big headline, I won't lie. It's a, you know, typical modern media. Um, but anyway, look, um, I want to know what point did crypto first pique your interest? What made you think this is something to seriously take note of and, and invest your, your time and energy in? Um, I'd love to tell you, I, I remember in like it must have been early days like 2009 2010 i heard something about bitcoin on the radio and i was in the car with my dad and i, I remember that i'd love to say i i heard that i was interested yeah. i acted on it no total fail <laughs> um no the the first time then i i probably heard about it was 2017 a friend got in touch and was like erica you need to look into this and apparently they they you know they'd heard about it and, and wanted to look into it and wanted a research buddy and apparently i was the biggest geek they knew <laughs> um so asked if i could help be a research buddy to, to look into it I, I think what had sparked the interest i had lived in buenos aires during um for a year abroad of, of uni um sort of working volunteering over there in a bid to learn Spanish and uh, you, you know this was during 2008 economic car crash in Argentina you know people were just out every weekend protesting on the streets you know people had lost their entire finances first lesson was well you know you certainly don't put your money in a bank don't bother opening a bank account um, you know if, if, if you get paid in local currency you get it out you convert it into euros and dollars and keep that in banknotes in, in a safe at your house um, so, you know, that that had been eye-opening, just how people, you know, lived and, and dealt with that. And I used to travel around South America every summer during uni. It's vastly more exciting than the UK was. And, you know, you, you just see a different world there. One summer I just got mugged so many times in a row <laughs> that all my credit cards and traveler's checks and whatever I'd gone with, you know, had been stolen. So I, I spent the summer relying on Western Union, which if anyone's ever had the misfortune of having to use Western Union or any remittance company, the, the most barbaric companies that exist solely to extort the most amount of money out of the poorest people around the world. But, you know, you have to walk to the office. And, I, you know, I called my very loving patient dad in the UK who sent me money. And, you know, three days later that arrived, minus 14%. And in cash, you know, it's just sodding useless when you've just been mugged so often that you don't want to have to rely on carrying things of value. So, you know, I, I, I'd had all these experiences from traveling to see that, you know, not everything in traditional finance works perfectly. So when I heard about crypto, I was like, wow, there's like a million one use cases and, and started geeking out. I, I, I love That's that. One thing I, wa I want to <laughs> Long explore. Long story. <laughs> yeah. No, but a good one. And, and I, I find it really funny that you, you kept getting mugged, but you didn't even once think about stopping traveling to South America 
I think. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's great. No. Um, so, so, Eric, how, how did the Crypto Curry Club come about? Because that's what you're you're doing now. Your focus is really well. You've got a network of over four thousand people. Five thousand. Five, five and a half. Yeah, wow. it's great. It's great. So the, the curries started a bit as a hissy fit. I I. I was interested in the space. I, I was researching the space. I wanted to find out what else was happening. And, you know, this was, you know, years ago now that there was no community in, in London, no real group, no, you know, there were people doing cool stuff, but no no way of getting together. And, you know, there were some events that were, you know, good but super dry and technical, which which wasn't my scene. Um, but the majority of events were literally sales pitches run by, by scams and run by all these, you know, get-rich-quick, you know, diehard promotions that were a part of the bubble at the time so I just wanted a way to meet people and get together with, with people that were doing cool stuff in the space I'd been previously to it was a, a curry a Christmas curry for a different industry a networking mm. event but it was you know it was the best networking event I'd ever been to because you sit down share a load of food with a load of cool people have a really cool conversation it all focused around food so I thought if we can do this for the space so I, I, I did the first crypto carry and, and invited some people invited some cool interesting people and some people that we'd met and you know it, it really was just incredible just getting a room full of, of people that were all running these you know what, what were at the time super fast growing you know emerging tech companies just together in a room and we, we just kept on doing the events. <laughs> yeah, and it must have just snowballed. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it did. I mean, the, the first one, people ended up staying about eight hours. I think they were just happy to be in a room full of people that were working in the same industry and meeting other people running the other companies, plus, you know, lots of lots of food and drink help, so good good Michelin star carry. Um, and, yeah, the second one sold out in an hour, and then it just it, it grew from there. And within a couple of months, we had people from pretty much most of the biggest companies around the world either coming officially or coming unofficially being like you know the bank I work for wouldn't want to be associated with crypto but we're here because we want to learn or yeah I mean there seems to be a real sense of community around cryptocurrency doesn't there? there's almost this feeling like you're in on something that other people aren't in on it's, it's an incredible community it's, it's a really really good community and you know and that's what's really nice about the events everyone's super friendly and people are there because they're interested in working in in the space and you know what's really nice and now we've got the the community and we've got to know quite a few people in the space it's almost every week at least every week i'll get a message out of the blue on linkedin or by email something from somebody who's like hey i've just left this c-suite position from this big bank or traditional company or whatever and i want to work in a crypto company or i've just accepted a job offer you know, in a crypto company because I'm really excited by the space and, you know, you know, they're basically saying that they're frustrated by how slow things are happening in other in other sectors or how much innovation is being stifled. You know, we've had quite a few from, from even government or sort of, you know, the, the regulation side um, reach out, basically go, do you know anyone who will hire us, please, in the space because they're just so frustrated at how slow things move in other spaces. So you, you've got a whole community of people wanting to work in the space you know they're, they're interesting people that they're, they're all you know big creative thinkers so yeah it's an incredible because yeah, there's been talk in america about the kind of crypto brain drain they're calling it of talent from from wall street towards crypto massive massive is, is it the same in the massive, uk massive 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 crypto companies can't hire fast enough 
they're constantly, you know, constantly looking to hire, and it's it's a constant thing that they're struggling to find enough talented people, and you know we we see it constantly, 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 um, from every sector, from traditional banks, from traditional companies, even from traditional investment firms, from definitely from the government and regulation side. It seems that anyone good working there, you know, within a couple of months will have been headhunted out. Um, so massively, massively, and you know, in the sad thing is that the UK government seems to have done whatever it can do to stifle any in innovation or, or, or technology in the com in the country. So, uh, I mean, the latest quote I saw, a statistic that I saw, is that 90% of, of these companies are now moving abroad. Um, so, yes, it's massive brain drain into the industry, and I think we're probably seeing a brain drain out of the UK. Yeah, well, let's, let's go back to that later, because the UK government <coughs> appears to have changed its tune, at least publicly, in the last couple we'll of weeks. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So the, the group you've got at the moment, what what backgrounds are people coming in from? What, what kind of people have you got in the Curry Club? Oh, gosh, all sorts. It's, it, it, it's a total mix, and that, that's what makes it fascinating. We've got everything from founders of, you know, founders and, and management from all of these uh, amazing startups, you know, fintech startups, blockchain startups, crypto startups, payment startups, you know, some of them are, are, are little startups, some of them are, you know, fast growing scale ups, through to people working, you know, heading up innovation, heading up technology, heading up payments, heading up sustainability, you know, things like like that, but from the biggest companies around the world, you know, the biggest search browsers, the biggest retail firms, the biggest, you know, online e-commerce companies, um, the, the main banks and so forth. So you've got this real sort of mix of like corporates and startups and people from tech companies and then investors, VCs got some universities we've got some students we've got some super cool guys doing like phds studying the space really really cool mix of people yeah and the vibe's generally collaborative yeah, yeah. totally yeah collaborative chilled fun okay yeah. interesting so <laughs> what's great about this is obviously you're enthusiastic about crypto you run a networking group around crypto and your first book which you've authored is all about <laughs> crypto gone wrong yeah um yeah it's, it's an interesting book because we've kind of done in the reverse of what your book does because having read having read it you go through all the crypto scams and finish on an optimistic note about actually crypto is pretty good let's let's take note of it whereas here we, the, <laughs> we've done the good stuff now let's go on to the the scams and the fraud um so the, the book is called crypto wars fake and the, the, yeah the subheader for it is fake deaths missing billions and in industry disruption which is Pretty exciting. Missing billions will always get people, and fake deaths, of course, will get people's attention. Um, it looks at crypto kind of nightmares like Quadriga, uh, Mt. Gox, and OneCoin. Um, these are huge kind of outsized stories, aren't they? Um, and and have accompanied the rise of cryptocurrencies. So yeah, what to go back to my initial point? What what made you focus on the scams for your first book? I mean, again, I'd love to to give you a, you know take all credit for that and give you a lovely creative story. Um, the, what made me focus on scam? A publisher reached out out to me out of the blue, start of lockdown, mm -hmm. if I wanted to do a book about the biggest hacks and scams in crypto called Crypto Wars. Mm -hmm. So the idea was a hundred percent theirs, and yeah, I think I was flattered to be asked to. I'd never written anything before since my dissertation at uni, which had been a difficult and painful experience. <laughs> so um, the, the idea for that was theirs. Um, but, you know, I, I find it fascinating. I think what, what is interesting to me about, you know, not just crypto, but anything really, am I interested in how the tech works? No, can't find interest, not technical person. The, the psychology of what makes people 
do things or, or you know, get be part of something. I find that fascinating. I could just geek out on that all day. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I found that side of it really interesting. So we'd had before they reached out I'd, I'd heard the missing crypto queen podcast series by jamie bartlett by the bbc and you know if anyone hasn't heard the missing crypto queen just go and listen to it straight away it's it's just incredible so i'd heard that series and listened to it twice you know front front to back just incredible series about the biggest scam in in crypto it's an ongoing investigation that you know the 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 leader of it is still you know, missing and you know, possibly dead or possibly you know, hiding under a fake identity somewhere we don't know. But you know, they stole like $25 billion and just a really cool, crazy sort of you know, real world investigation. So I, I sent Jamie Bartlett, the guy who did the podcast, a cheeky total fangirl email being like hi Jamie I love your podcast <laughs> I run this thing called the Crypto Carry Club would you come and speak you know not expecting anything but he replied and said he'd heard about it and that he'd love to so we had in it was de- the December before lockdown December 2019 our, our sort of Christmas carry with, with Jamie as a speaker and 60 people in a restaurant Chatham households and he told us like all of these stories that he couldn't share on a public podcast you know some of the real juicy stuff of this of this investigation it was incredible and from that event because from the the carries people in the community a lot of them have been in crypto since early days since you know since really early on so a number of these people came to me and like started telling me their stories of scams that they'd seen or uncovered in in the earlier days and either tried to warn people out on social media or try to, you know, comment on social media or try to alert the authorities. And, you know, they, they'd been sent death threats. They'd been told to, you know, take all, all details themselves offline to, to protect their safety. One guy is now on a, you know, government list. He doesn't live in the UK. That the government will... Uh, tell him if certain people try to enter the country where he lives because, you know, he's at too much risk because he said too much. So they told me these absolutely crazy stories of what had happened to them just for trying to expose crypto scams early on. And then, you know, I got invited, you know, the, the scams run still today, public groups on Facebook and social media channels you know, they're literally there scamming each other I mean, you just wouldn't believe it's happening it's, it's crazy it's there. So they invited him into these groups you know just to sort of sit and watch to see how people were like live scamming each other you know on on facebook groups or whatever so i'd sort of been brought into this world of, of just you know all these crazy stories so when they asked i was like yeah <laughs> uh, like that's the most interesting story yeah, um, yeah. It's absolutely fascinating. And, and like <laughs> you, I, I agree that the human stories behind it are amazing. And, you know, the one coin story that you, you mentioned there yeah. with, with, you know, Jamie Bartlett's podcast and, and Dr. Rouge. I mean, that's a story of, of people's kind of hopes and dreams and get rich quick and multi level yeah. marketing. It's there's so much wrapped up in that that it is, as you suggest, such a great listen. And and yeah, like, like yourself, I'm not so much interested in the underlying technology as I am what it means for people yeah. and, and, and all of that. So and how, I mean, what's been interesting, we're mm. sorry to interrupt, no, go ahead. but, you know, the, these scams are so good. And, you know, you're talking scams that operate like companies that bring in billions of dollars that typically spend 10% of their money on marketing. So you've got these incredibly professional looking websites. You've got, you know, adverts on every platform that we'd know. You've got the best copywriters, the best marketing people, the best salespeople, 
all working for them and you know a really good sales pitch and you know they're willing to just lie blatantly about what they do or what partnerships they've got so you've got these you know scams that look incredibly impressive and a what makes people fall for them and you know the amount of people that have reached out that are incredibly intelligent educated people that have since messaged me saying you know i fell for a scam you know we just heard it today just grabbing coffee before this you know how many people have, have fallen for these and why intelligent people fall for these and you know people often think oh, i wouldn't fall for a crypto scam but you know pretty much you know everyone you meet could could fall for yeah. them so uh, you know this is a question i had lined up for later but, I'll, I'll, bring, no, no, but I'll, <laughs> I'll bring it in now i'll bring it in now yeah because if you are most of our listeners are financially literate people i mean dealing with financial professionals primarily what kind of scams are they most likely to fall uh, foul of so i mean there's there's all sorts i mean the, the multi-level marketing scams which are the worst and the most pervasive and, and, and the most cruel in, in many ways tend to go after people that are either slightly more vulnerable slightly more impressionable and that's where social media comes in and so forth but for financially literate people you know that some of the scams are really you know good and i say that in inverted commas but they they represent what you know what could be a real company so they'll have a good website they'll have a good offering they'll make it sound good they won't make it sound you know too good to be true you know they'll say you know we're working with so and so and so and so and you know th there's all these scams that might be literally they might have a copy paste version of a, a real website for a company and they might have just changed something like an you know, an L to a capital I or something on the domain or a zero to a, you know, a, 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 um, you know to an O or something mm -hmm. like that so that it's, you, you wouldn't actually see that it's a scam or they'll infiltrate social media groups or they'll take over um, email addresses or, or, or social media accounts and, you know, basically by hacking it make out to be other people. Um, you, know, we, you know, there's been numerous have, have paid celebrities, but they don't always need to do that. They can literally infiltrate and pretend to be something else or just have websites that look so good. Um, you know, and now more and more we're seeing also you know, investment advisor scammers. You know, if you want to get into crypto, we've got a very professional setup. You know, we've got a very secure setup. If you send us your money, you don't need to touch one of those dirty, dangerous crypto exchanges. Send us your money. We'll buy it safely for you. We'll store it safely for you. We'll look after it safely for you. And that's a scam. And, you know, everything about it looks really good and professional and so forth. And, you know, and then you've got outfits that are posing as, as sort of recovery firms or you know or even as law firms oh you've been scammed we're really sorry we'll help you if you pay us this money and you know and and they're scams but they're posing as these huge big sort of legal recovery outfits that you really have to dig very deep to see that actually this isn't what what you say it is <laughs> yeah it, it's interesting to see they've gotten more sophisticated and there's all sorts wrapped up in it as well I, I think the, the kind of community aspect of, of crypto possibly plays a role in it as well, doesn't it? When people feel like they can be part of something. I think we've seen that with, um, again, with OneCoin, again, is a good example of that. People really were led to believe yeah. they were part of a community. Mass massively, massively, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of all these scams you've come across, is there one that really stands out to you as, I don't want to say a favourite scam, much like you didn't want to say a best <laughs> scam, but you know, is there one that you found particularly fascinating? I, I find, I mean, the... You know, in terms of most interesting, I think the, the, there's two where it's just not known what has happened to the founders. So the, the one coin one, which is this huge, you know, up to $25 billion upon site, you know, we still don't know what's happened to the founder. 
you know, I expect that she knows too much or that the Bulgarian mafia also would have would have you know, yeah. got rid of her. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, we, we, we don't know. Um and and, and yeah, for one Quadriga, um, you know, it's it's still up in the air. You know, it was a Ponzi scheme from the start. You know, they stole two hundred and fifty million dollars or, you know, lost or whatever, two hundred and fifty million dollars disappeared out of thin air that people have lost. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've yet to meet, uh, you know, the, the story is that the founder died. I've yet to meet anyone who believes that he died. So, you know, we'll, we'll, they're the, the most interesting, juicy from that side. I think yeah. in terms of what I find really interesting, I mean, you, you touched on multi-level marketing and they're the scams that, that are the most pervasive, that affect the most people and that as a subject i i just find fascinating i mean it's it's one of these things it's it's a pyramid scheme it's it's basically a ponzi scheme when you're selling legal things why multi-level marketing is legal is well irrational insane it's it's an awful construct the statistics are that 98 people percent of people lose money when getting involved in multi-level marketing and that's when you're talking about legal products that's when you're talking about real world physical products that should actually have a value 98 percent of people lose money and it's just you know this pyramid where a couple of people at the top make hundreds of millions and then everyone else loses and loses loads of money mm-hmm. yeah and you know and that when you bring that into crypto where you've got these new cryptocurrencies or where you've got these scam offerings going we'll make money for you out of thin air you know with whatever you know non-backed claim that they they come up with it, it it's just awful because they get so big and you know people just spread it and spread it and spread it and you hear all these stories of you know, it's not the scammers spreading it so much as, you know, you fall for it and then you tell your friends and families, you know, there's been religious leaders have promoted them and, you know, rocked up the next week and nice new Mercedes or whatever it is. <laughs> community leaders promote them. You know, people promote them to their whole community. And it's, you know, that's sad and awful, but it's it's also interesting because it's such a grey area as to, you know, who's innocent, who's guilty, uh, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating slash in my opinionated opinion or multi-level marketing should be banned well <laughs> yeah I, I could be honest personally i i don't think i disagree um it, what, what's interesting about this so with a lot of these scams they, they call upon classic human behavior yeah. and a lot of the scams that very much replicate scams that have been going on for centuries i mean to what extent is a crypto scam any different to what we've seen over you know <laughs> over yeah. the course of human history Do you know, it's, it, it's a really interesting question and point and uh, there's no difference at all they're exactly the same and, uh, as other scams and yes you know it's easy to say yes there's been a rise in crypto scam over the last years there's been a rise in every type of scam i got scammed on facebook marketplace after i did you know did the research for the book my parents get scam phone calls pretty much every day from companies claiming to be BTH, MRC, Amazon, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, every type of scam has increased exponentially. We live in a digital world where it's easy to hack, where you can buy ransomware as a package or whatever you want on the dark web. And, you know, basically it's it's now so easy that if you want to scam people, it's really easy and cheap to get set up. The risks are much lower. The rewards are much greater. We, we live in a world where that is just a reality now you know, to be blunt. 
And the crypto scams, they're not about the crypto. You know, a lot of the, the crypto scams, I mean, even OneCoin, it didn't even have a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. It, it, it literally had nothing to do with it. Excel it it, it was, it yeah. was. It just said it was a cryptocurrency. And some of the biggest scams aren't anything to do with crypto. They say they are because the only, I think, point that crypto brings in is because people have seen people that have done well, you know, that have gotten rich quick and in inverted commas, you know, or said they have. Um, and it's it's playing on people's desire to do that. So it's it's just toying on sort of people's desire to improve their life situation, you know, taking advantage of, of, of vulnerability or showing, you know, Bitcoin, you know, got XYZ percent gains, therefore if you buy this, you know, that will too. So the the only I think thing that crypto adds is that people have seen it as a way that one can make money quick so it's just taking advantage of new technology no different to what we saw with the dot com and you know you've seen it with every type of thing it's been done with tulips you know it's been done with all sorts of things you know the next time it might be i don't know coffee mugs that is the next um (laughs) you know that that is the next you know this is going to go up loads in value by this by this now um so i think it's just taking advantage of the fact that it's a new technology that you know has done a while and you know it's, it's digital money so people get excited it's not it's not a crypto scam in my in my opinion so much as just traditional scams taking advantage of people's desire to get into yeah. into a new technology and possibly a reaction to circumstances we had a, a lockdown where people had a lot of time on their hands sure. and not much to do there's also economic situations yeah. you know rising inflation rising house prices all these kind of things yeah. I think that might massively people... massively yeah <laughs> So, I mean, what's the reaction to your book been like? Because I can imagine you know, the crypto community and the, and the anti-crypto community are both vocal groups. And on the one hand, by by identifying scams, I mean, they're, they're relatively mm. big scams you're talking about. You can help people invest in a more sensible way. On the other hand, some people who don't like or crypto... just run screaming. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And some people who, who are anti-crypto will see all these scams and frauds listed and think, well, this is what we're trying to tell you. What, what have you heard from, from people online and elsewhere? Yeah, a total mix. Like, yeah, friends and so forth have been supportive, which is very nice of them and love them dearly. Um, a total mix. I had a message just this morning from somebody who said that they'd, you know, it's not somebody I know on, on, but on LinkedIn, that they'd seen my book, read it, and that's what had sparked their interest in the space. And they've now, as a result of reading that book, taken some courses and got a job working in crypto compliance for a tech firm you know that's really cool i like that that's really cool you know good on them um other people are like hey you know thanks for writing this i got scammed blah 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 and you know the people that have written that written to me saying that they're the type of people you mention you know that they, they, they've often messaged on linkedin also and you see their their roles in the position they're clearly educated they're clearly intelligent they're in very very good respectable jobs and you know still fell for it or got tricked or got hacked or, or whatever um so it's it's been a, a mix of that i've had law firms reach out going hey um we've got this case can you help us see is this a scam or why would people be acting in this way you know i've had law enforcement reach out going can you explain why these ponzi schemes work like this or how it's been a total um total mix yeah I'm not surprised, <laughs> honestly. I've I've started following loads of cryptocurrency accounts on Twitter, you know, many in favour, many anti, mm-hmm. and and my goodness, that creates a confusing, a confusing kind of feedback loop. Right. I don't know what to believe one day to the next. Really, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy don't believe world. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably probably should have thought of that. Especially first. especially when you think who its main investor now isn't. 
that they've had a tendency to uh, affect crypto prices. Yeah, interesting. Um, another thing to discuss, obviously, financial professionals uh, in the UK and, of course, globally are taking a greater interest in ESG and you know, sustainability mm. and being environmentally friendly. And and cryptocurrency is, is well, famously, historically, hasn't been. Uh, you know, some things I've found, on this. and it's not just about um, the environment. I mean, uh, between 2009 uh, and April 2017, I, I read that academic researchers estimate that 46% of Bitcoin transactions were linked to illegal activity. But to put that into some context, in 2021, only 0.15% of crypto mm. volume is, yeah. is, is now related to crypto, criminal activity. So we're seeing that improve. Carbon intensity of Bitcoin um, is interesting. That compares very unfavorably to, to Visa transactions. Yeah. But then there's also, uh, you know, I think there's um, a suggestion that Bitcoin mining uses as much energy as the entire nation of Sweden, according to the Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing change there too. There have been suggestions that uh, Ethereum, for instance, shifts to a proof of stake system rather than proof mm. of work. Uh, let's not go into that right now. But what that would effectively mean is theoretically that energy energy use would be reduced by 99%, which is huge. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack. There's yeah. a lot going on. And I think there is interest to make crypto more environmentally friendly. But what's your what's your take on that? Do you think it can be? Do you think we're getting moving to a good place or a better place at least? You, I mean, you, you've touched on two different points there. So, I mean, the, 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 the criminal one, yeah, I find that fascinating and mm. it, yeah you're right i mean i think the statistic i read doesn't that in the early days it was 30 or maybe 40 percent of all mm. bitcoin transactions were related to online crime and you know and now it's it's i mean the last statistic i heard is 0.4 percent you know give, give or take it's compared to about 2.9 percent of, of fiat of, of government currency which mm. is used in in crime and you know which is far easier to hide and when you talk to you know, people that work in fraud investigations, they're always happy when they get a case that's Bitcoin over pounds because Bitcoin is infinitely easier to track than money that might go through art or racehorses or offshore or whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I find that fascinating because if, if you look at, say, early days of Bitcoin, you know, it, it was it was seen and you know promoted as a totally anonymous way of sending transactions, and, and so you had all these dark websites pop up selling drugs and selling porn and you know all sorts of things that um, people thought that suddenly they could buy totally anonymously just because they were using Bitcoin, um, and now suddenly in the last few years you've got these softwares that weren't available from 2009 when, when bitcoin was created you've now got these crypto analytic softwares that can trace bitcoin and crypto transactions with incredible degrees of accuracy so you know what what's interesting is in the early days you know people were like yeah suddenly i can go on online and buy drugs and have them shipped to my house and you know, I can pay in this digital anonymous currency and nobody's ever going to find out it's me. And now suddenly you've got these softwares that can show exactly who did what and link them to people. So you've now got all these cases where law enforcement are starting to go after people that did these things in, you know, from the early years, from 2009 and so forth, because now the data is available. So it's not so anonymous as as you'd think. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a few things. Yes, in the early days, it was it was seen as a way to buy drugs online to a large degree um but there, there's a few points to that a 
at the time, you know, not many places accepted Bitcoin and there was less Bitcoin in circulation. The volume was much less because it was worth less, less, there were less people involved. So the, the, the sort of the pot was much smaller. So, you know, the, the percentage was much higher. Now you've got an awful lot more crypto available. It's worth a lot more. There's a lot more things one can spend it on, you know, and also it's been exposed that actually, if you want to commit crime, doing so in Bitcoin is not very intelligent because it's utterly traceable. You know, by definition, you've got this blo this mm -hmm. blockchain which shows exactly this address sent this at this time to that address. And, you know, that can then be traced to, to parties. And, you know, if, if you want to cash out the money from your drug deal, that's going to be harder. <laughs> so, you know, that, that that's fascinating. So I think in terms of the, the argument, is Bitcoin used in crime? Yes, of course it is. So are banknotes. So are, you know, so are camels. So are whatever unit of currency that, that, that one wants to have. And, you know, if, if Bitcoin ceases to exist, then people are still going to want to buy drugs. You know, there are still going to be a percentage of people addicted to drugs who want to buy drugs who will find a way to do so or for whatever, you know, bit of crime. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I think... That, so we, that we, need to, we need to ban all currency, including camels. <laughs> including camels. <laughs> I, I, well, camels. I, I say camels. I once, as a kid, got offered, I think my dad, we were on holiday in Tunisia or somewhere, got offered 10,000 camels for me. <laughs> so camels has always been a fond you know, of currency. So long answer. I think the, the environmental impact, yeah, Bitcoin is enormously in energy intensive. And, you know, I think there's a few angles on that. Is that ideal? No. Um... Bitcoin, you know, it was the first digital currency to, to achieve a lot of things. It's done a lot of great things. It's, it's you know, broken so many, you know, it, things. And, 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 you know, it's, it, it's safe. It's, you know, it's, you've got a permanent record of it. The, the Bitcoin blockchain is not going to be hacked. It's, it's, you know, it's incredible in many, many ways. Um, it's not the most efficient. I'd see that kind of like the Victorian tube in London, I, you know, the, the, the tube system we've got here, it's, it's, you know, it's old, it's big, it's fantastic, it gets people from A to B, it's losing money all the time, it costs a, you know, fortune to get a tube, you know, which is, you know, nine times out of 10 going to be, um, you know, going to be running late, and is still losing money for, for TFL, and you go to Singapore, you go to Hong Kong, and you know, the tubes run on time, they're energy efficient, they're cheap, they're instant, you know, it will be on the national news if one is, you know, a few minutes late. Um, it's, it's a different system. So I'd see Bitcoin like that as a first one. You've now got blockchains that use no more energy that are, I, I really like, they use no more energy than anything else we do digitally. And people forget that everything we do uses energy. Every time we check our WhatsApp, every time we send a WhatsApp message, every time we open an email, every time we send an email, every time we type something into a Word document, every time you print something off, every single thing we do digitally uses energy. And people don't see that because they're not directly paying for it. But, you know, the the vaults of Facebook or, or Microsoft or whatever, you know, yeah, huge, the servers, huge, et cetera, you, yeah, huge, yeah. huge amounts of, of energy that we just don't directly see because we don't have to directly pay for it ourselves. So there are now new blockchains that use no more energy than any time we would do anything online that, you know, that are incredibly light. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's evolving so fast. And you spoke about the brain drain. It's exactly that. You've got people working on that. It's not ideal for any situation to have a currency that is so enormously energy intensive, you know, either for the environment or for cost or for practicality. There's, there's no benefit to it being 
environmentally unfriendly. So it's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, so you, see, you see a time when it would be something that investors could invest in as an ESG or sustainability asset. Yeah, and to- totally. I mean, A, that there will be you know, digital currencies that are uh, certainly more energy efficient than than fiat currency you know it costs energy to print banknotes to keep an eye on that to to send money around so there will be certainly digital currencies that are more energy efficient but then you've also got things like you know blockchain that the technology it's built on you know is very good at proving things you you know you've got this sort of data ledger where you can't undo things where everything's added in time sequential manner but you know where more and more companies are now looking at how can we use this technology to prove that i don't know if we're offsetting carbon that this money actually went to buy this tree as opposed to carbon offsetting companies now where you know for the most part you know you pay money to offset a tree i pay money to offset a tree everybody here pays money to offset a tree and everybody's paying offsetting you know paying the money to set one tree and the founder of the carbon offsetting company goes thank you very much i'll pocket the rest not all, but you know it happens, and there's no accountability. So the technology behind crypto proves so much that you know you can use it to prove that you know things are being offset, or or to prove that well you know th- this is where the cotton in your t-shirt came from. We can prove that it's organic, or we can prove that it's it's fair trade, or you know I mean, the chocolate industry. You know, just as an example, at the moment it's about fifty percent slave labor. You know, there are chocolate companies that are looking at how can we prove that we pay our workers, you know, multiple times above that, that they're not, you know, kids being tied up as slaves or that the cocoa yeast is organic or whatever. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think that the Bitcoin and blockchain space is, is actually definitely going towards a much more ethical place right now? Because I think we can say, yeah, everything else is bad, so this is okay. But I don't, I don't think that necessarily uh, nullifies the problem, does it? I, 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 I think it totally is. And not to say that everybody working in the space is you know isn't that there's, there's still groups taking advantage of you know how can we build the next Ponzi scheme that's around crypto um you know there, there's certain groups that aren't interested in that in that at all but I, I'd say as a whole yeah it, it is either because there are some that are concerned with you know having that accountability for you know the energy we use or whatever it is that we do um or because you know practically for a currency it's beneficial that it be light, that it not use energy, that it not have, you know, because with a high energy use, there's a high cost to send a transaction. So for any of these, you know, digital currencies, for them to really gain success and gain real world sort of mass market interest, if it costs me 10, 20, 100 quid to send you the money um, to say thank you for the apple you just bought me or whatever, that's not going to work. It needs to be low energy for it to work on a mass market basis. Mm-hmm. And then final point on ESG, which is, we were, you know, to go away from energy consumption and back to, you know, traceability and the illegality, mm. you know, connected with, with Bitcoin in the early days. Uh, obviously, uh, and you, you acknowledge this in your book as well, um, it creates an alternative problem, which is that people can trace literally everything that you do, which for, you know, people in a... Drug dealers on the dark web isn't ideal. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, exactly. It's not. But at the same time, it's also, it could be used to create an authoritarian state, for instance. Yeah. And, and, you know, is that, is that, that's problematic, right? I mean, we're seeing exactly that now in in China. Um, the Chinese government are about seven years ahead of, of the rest of the world. They've been working on their own digital currency. They've been rolling it out, testing it out, and they've got exactly that. They've got a digital currency, which is, it, it's different to Bitcoin on a public blockchain where the intention is to have transparency, but it's it's using almost the same powers of the technology to give that 
data and that transparency just to the to the government um you know so what 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 you've got the potential of is you've got a digital currency that you know in their case is linked to a social score so you know if you do things um vote a certain way buy certain product associate with certain people if you're the wrong ethnic minority if you're the wrong religion if you're the wrong sexuality you know i say wrong in inverted commas subject to the whims of um you know of of a government um you get less social points you know they're trying to make it so that if you're if you've got below a certain amount of of points of of credit score that you can't do anything because everything goes to the digital wallet so if you've got below a certain score you you simply can't buy a train ticket there's no physical way in your app to buy a train ticket to get your kids into a certain school they're trying to get it that if you're below a certain point that you can't do anything you can't leave your flat um is that ideal no no not at all it's it's terrifying and then you've got this whole concept called cbdc central bank digital currencies where you've got you know, including including the UK, trying to roll out these digital currencies that, you know, that they're trying to market it as being, oh, it's great, we've got this digital currency, it'll be easier for you to spend. It's terrifying. You know, the minute they roll that out, one has to leave this country and not come back. <laughs> it, it's terrifying because then you've got this huge amount of, 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 of data and control that goes directly to the government. They can see every transaction that you can do. And, you know, the thing with, with these digital currencies is you can set rules on them. So you can put blockers on them, you know, much as, to be fair, one could do in traditional finance. But, you know, there it really literally can just be like, well, this address can no longer send money. And if it's all linked to a digital day, I find that terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, there, there, are argu- there are arguments for that. And, you know, there are benign governments that wouldn't abuse that. But the reality is, you know, as we've seen, you're only ever one election away from bringing in a total and utter buffoon slash psychopath slash person um, very capable of, of committing war crimes left, right and centre. We've had that here. We'll have it again. Uplifting stuff. Arg- you know, show, arguably you know. <laughs> we've got that now. Um, so, you know, it, it, it puts an incredible amount of, of power in the hands of a centralised government who aren't always acting in the best interests of, of people. Interesting. And, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, CBDCs being a, a poor idea, a terrible idea. Funnily enough, when... Well, my, my it's, it's, it's a fantastic, similar, it's in, a in fantastic idea if you're the ones in government wanting absolute <laughs> control. Sorry, you're about... No, no, I was going to say, because obviously, yeah, you know, Matt Hancock joined us and said also that it was it's not something he thought would, would work well here. Uh, but but that also leads us back onto something raised a lot earlier, which is the UK saying it's going to try and make the UK a, a global hub for crypto assets. I see you shaking your head. Like, um, what are your thoughts, I, I think one has to be realistic about that. So I, I work part time at you know at, at CMS. It's a, a law firm, you know, just helping them on their crypto fintech strategy. And so you see, I, I see the different angles. You know, we've got hundreds of of these companies within the cryptocurrency community, and you know, you know, the, you've got hundreds of these companies that you know the law firm has advised, and you know, you, you see it from from the general market. Uh, 160 companies in the UK applied to be registered here, of which 30, you know, got given the yes, and basically 130 have had to leave the UK. Does that mean anything good? No, it just means that the, you know, the, the FCA and government basically don't understand what they're doing. The companies will still operate, will still be able to serve UK citizens, just without any ability to sort of control their actions. And you know, we, we've had so many 
you know, in some cases, multi-billion dollar companies leave the UK now taking all of their skills, taking all of their jobs, taking everything with them because they can't operate or function here. So the, the reality is now, if, if companies are looking to get set up, the, the advice is, well, don't even bother looking at the UK because it will be 18 to 24 months before you're even thought about being looked at. And then you'll have to go through a load of hoops and answer a load of questions, which will take a year, two years, and then you'll probably be told no anyhow. So, you know, every advice from every angle is don't even bother looking at the UK. Here's a list of other alternative jurisdictions and pretty much every company is is doing that. Um, no, I, 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 you know, one can say a lot of things. Yeah, so you're saying basically um, we're late to the party. It, the it, 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 incredibly late. We've, we've already made most mm -hmm. companies um, leave taking all the skills um, with them showing that everything here is, is, is too slow and inefficient and you know, people have seen that other jurisdictions are yeah, more efficient. So I, 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 I think it's just done an awful lot of damage. So um, do, do you think it's too late, essentially? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. so what it, It's too <laughs> fast-moving a space. To be this far yeah. behind. Well, yeah. What would your advice be if you were doing anything to help them make this a success? Um... You know, it is, it's, it's easy to say. Um, everybody, uh, you know, one speaks to that has gone through the process says, you know, that they've had, you know, within the space of a year or 18 months, you know, four, five, six different case offices that change every few months that get younger and younger and younger and younger. Um, you know, presumably because they can't pay as much as high-paying tech companies and you know all the good people get headhunted out so you know that they the, you know what i hear i haven't experienced personally but what i hear every day is you've just got increasingly younger people who literally just don't understand what these companies are trying to do that are incentivized to say no basically no instead of going yeah we're willing to take a risk on you um what would i say uh <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't know. I'm grateful I'm not in that position. <laughs> no, really I, I could go into this for hours. I genuinely could. I'm mindful you've probably got places to go. So I'm going to get, I'm gonna get towards the end here. Firstly, uh, do you have any more books uh, in the works? Are you, are you writing a second book? Uh, not yet. But yes, I have, have agreed to do one and have started research. So, yes. Work revealing in, too much. Is it in the work space in progress. Can't, can't reveal can't too reveal. much. Not going to reveal too much. Okay. Um, can't give us a but hint. But please buy the future book. Um, sort of a run through the space. Okay. But trying to make it interesting and exciting and juicy. Yeah. Well, well Crypto Wars is a, is a great read for anyone who, who wants an intro to, to crypto frauds and scams. And it's, it's written in a way which is accessible, isn't it? You've, you've covered some pretty hard to follow areas in in language that i think our readers will i, will I wanted get. it to be easy and fun to mm. read and my kind patient loving dad he did to be about used to work in tech but has been retired and out of the space for a long time now um kindly read it twice and anything he said that is a is a complicated tech figure that he didn't understand just got taken out yeah. so it's meant to be easy to light fun reading yeah and it is i can confirm that it is and, and final point the, the curry club how yes. can people get involved um cryptocurryclub.com there's a, a subscribe button there to receive the, uh, we've got a weekly newsletter, The Crypto Carrier, which just goes out every Friday and summarizes all of the main news and events in, in the space, the key happenings, uh, uh, and you know, same, same sort of thing, just summarizes those into a few easy to read sentences. So hopefully within 15 minutes, you'll have a, 
an overview of the main things happening that week. Um, so yeah, cryptocurryclub.com or at cryptocurryclub on, on LinkedIn. Um, you can follow us. Brilliant. Erica, thank you so much again for joining us. That was a really enjoyable episode. Really enjoyed speaking yeah. to you about, about crypto scams and fraud, but also about the future of crypto, which is probably more the thrust of it, really, when it comes down to it. Everyone, I've been Ian Horn. This has been The Wealth Tech Show. Thank you for listening in. Thanks for having me on. Thank <laughs> you.